uh, maybe at BurgessMinistries.com, uh, clicking on an archive, whatever the case may be. Glad you're here, men. Thank for you. Thank you for being in the room. Some of the notes you need to think about. A couple of things for those of you that have been wondering. Uh, you know, Andy Blanks and I did how to be a man: uh, the pursuit of Christ-centered masculinity. A lot of people are asking me when there'll be a follow-up to that. The follow-up is now here. Uh, it's also called how to be a man. But now, looking to the example of real men of the Bible, we take eight men of the Bible and we and we walk through uh, these men and try to apply them to our lives on their example. Of walking, and that's now available at howtobeamanchallenge.com. If you want to get a pre-order of that, uh, if you order before uh, June the 11th in, in time for Father's Day, uh, I'll be autographing those copies and put a little something in there to you and sending that out to you. So we're continuing that series. So this will be the next one uh, in the How to Be a Man series. So grab that uh, and put that in your arsenal, and we will may at some point go through that here in, in, the, in this room and in this Bible study. Uh, as well. Also, for those of you that have been coming to the Man Church uh, services uh, at my home church, Shades Mountain Baptist Church in Birmingham, you're always welcome to join us. Uh, the next one will be coming up on August the 25th, uh, and that and our speaker will be Greg Powers. Uh, we'll be doing a big golf event uh, involved in that weekend as well, so you might want to find out more about that by checking our church's website. Uh, but that'll be the next Man Church service. After that, we'll get into a new Bible study here. Right now, we're continuing the current Bible study. That Bible study is the Pursuit of Holiness by Jerry Bridges. Uh, today, we're going to start in part five. Uh, if you've missed uh, one, two, three, or four, you can go back and grab those in our archive. So let's open in a word of prayer. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for an opportunity to, to open up your word. Thank you, Lord, for you know, you calling us to this standard of holiness that is found in you and, and helping us to discern and understand through Scripture exactly what that looks like. And today we're going to talk again about this balance, and we're going to continue to try to figure this out as best we can with our finite brains. And I pray, Lord, that you'll help us to hear and, and have supernatural ability to discern exactly this application to our lives today. Uh, and, Lord, I, I pray for those who can't be with us. I pray for those, Lord, that are mourning, that are hurting. Uh, Lord, just seems like every time... Um, uh, we, we see another headline. There's somebody else that's in a tragic situation in this fallen creation, sadly reminding us again that this is not heaven. Uh, but, Lord, we know one day this will all be redeemed, and I pray that you be near to the brokenhearted and those who are struggling uh, right now, that they will look at this as an opportunity to actually pursue you, uh, not to reject you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so as we get into as we get into number five here, um, we, we start out with, with a, a very, you know, we, I remember studying this. We went through our study of Romans, and if you'd like to go back and, and go through the study of Romans, you can find that at BurgessMinistries.com. Uh, just click on the, the media button there. But there was a question, and we, and we really landed. I think Romans chapter 6, and Jerry Bridges makes this point, may be one of the um, most ignored chapters um, in the book of Romans because it's actually going to call us to a standard uh, that we certainly should live a life that looks like it's transformed uh, by Jesus. And, and, of course, Jerry Bridges, if you're going to write a book about the pursuit of holiness uh, and, and no longer being held captive to sin, you got to go to Romans 6. Uh, so Romans chapter 6, let's look at our verses today, verse 6 and 7, uh, as we read from the Word of God. Here's what the Apostle Paul says about our situation once we have been redeemed. He says, we know that our old self, and, and somebody online old self, was crucified with him, talking about Jesus, in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. That's a pretty powerful statement. Paul says, so we know that our old self, that, that was our, our former sinful self, was crucified with Jesus in order that the body of sin, meaning still that fallen flesh, might be brought to might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. In verse seven, for one who has died has been set free from sin. I remember when we studied this, we went through the the book of Romans. I mean, this, this, these these are powerful statements and. And a lot of times, and, and kind of what we see sometimes, we talk about a lot in this room about being grace abusers. In order for you to take grace and do with it what, what God did not intend us to do with it, you have to just completely ignore Romans chapter 6. You just have to act like this, doesn't it, that this, this book of the Bible just doesn't exist. And so this is the point that Jerry Bridges made. And I, and I love the opening of, of, of chapter 5 when he says this. 
Many Christians have a basic desire to live a holy life. Now remember, what we're studying right now, we're talking about those of us that have claimed to be justified. We have claimed that we have been redeemed. Notice what Jerry said. Most Christians have a basic desire to live a holy life, but they have sadly come to believe they simply cannot do it. So it says most of us have a desire to do it, but we've just given up. We, we just don't think we can do it. And, and, and so that's what this chapter is going to talk about. It says many, and I certainly can relate to this. This is what excites me about this, this study, is that we never need to get to the point where we say, well, this, I guess this is just it. But many, and I have been guilty of this, have settled down to a life of moral mediocrity, which they find out, and I love this, this neither pleases them or pleases God. You, you, you never really feel good about it if you've got the Holy Spirit. You, you can never comfortably be in moral mediocrity, in my, in, my, in my humble opinion, if the power of the Holy Spirit is reigning in your, in your, in your spirit and it's, it's doing its job of conviction, then if you have not gotten to the place that Christ calls us to, it's impossible for you to be comfortable with that. And, and he says, but many have just settled into moral mediocrity. And then what do we do? Instead of just admitting that we've settled into moral mediocrity, we keep making excuses. And what does that become? That's that grace abuse we talk about. Well, you know, I mean, look, we're just never going to get there. I mean, we're saved by grace, and we are. Praise the Lord for that. And, you know, just, it's just, I'm just always going to be this way. Uh, but, but the only problem is that's not what Romans 6 just said. Uh, and, and that's where we have a problem. And he says, so the promise of what we just read in Romans chapter 6, 6 and 7, if we were honest, and that's why I'm glad we're in here, guys, because we're not, we're not going to settle this. We're going to try to hash this out. But if we were honest, we think what the Apostle Paul just said, inspired by the Holy Spirit, we will say, this is the Word of God. This is God's revelation about Himself. Who's writing these words? Well, Paul's writing them, but who's really writing them? God is. Through Paul. And we said, we said, that's true. Well, then I guess what Paul said is right, isn't it? Well, not really. I just don't think what Paul said is possible. Well, why is he saying it then? Why is he saying it if it's not possible? So right, that's a dilemma. Right? So that can't be the truth, right? Either we don't believe the Bible or we're in conflict with it. Everybody agree that? There's no other options. But now I'd like to say that we're kind of in between the two, meaning we acknowledge that we are not doing it to the level that the Bible says, but we still believe that the Bible says it can happen. So now let's figure out how. I kind of like that place. Y'all want to be there? Because that's, that's where we need to be as we move forward. Many have sought to live a holy life by their own power, and then others have said, I, I'm going to get there and I'm going to do it solely by my faith in God. So either one of those is wrong, by the way. If it's solely by faith, or it's solely by your own power, if you just do one of those two, you're going to have a problem. And I've tried both. And so I can attest that Jerry is right. Many have agonized in prayer over particular sins and, and agonized and agonized and agonized, and they have never seen any success. <clears throat> Why? I mean, he's agonizing about it. Somewhere deep down... I have discovered most of the time is that, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'll, I'll just stop. Scores of books have been written, what, about the secret to a victorious life. You know, you, there's a lot of books about it. But here's, it says, but here's the deal. In the search for answers to our sin problems, a troublesome question arises, and this is where we're going to try to see if we can take another step on this today. This is what this whole study is about. What should I look to God for, and what am I responsible for myself? How, what, what's this balance? What's this dance? Because we know that the power that's been given to us over sin, it, it, it's, it's in Jesus. But then we have a responsibility, if, if you will, to access the power that is only provided in Christ. So, so let's, let's move forward. So many, I think this is one of the problems too, and if any of you ever been in any kind of competition of any kind, one of the biggest mistakes we can make is to underestimate the opponent. Now, we certainly don't want to bring glory 
to the opponent because, like we said, a lot of times we're not even talking about Satan himself. Uh, we certainly can be talking about the, the dark spiritual battles of the demons under, under Satan, their, their, their Lord. But really the biggest problem we have is we underestimate our fallen flesh's ability to cling to our old sinful ways. Remember what I've told you? I've said this a number of times. If you're like me, though, I need something to be said a number of times before I get it. But I have learned this, guys, and I want y'all, I know we do it sometimes, sometimes we don't. That's why these recordings are important. Even if, you know, you're rushing from work, I'd rather you be here without a pen and a paper than not be here. But that's the reason why we have recordings. Listen to me, as a person who had no good study habits, some of these things you're not going to get until the day you finally write it down. Okay, my wife says, I believe in God even more so than ever when I found a notebook full of notes written by you because that was a supernatural thing that happened. <laughs> and uh, and it's, it's certainly true because I'm doing it now because why I realize this is effective. I, if, I will, if I will go and listen to sermons and actually write down the points, I actually learn them. I actually can apply them. If I'll sit down and write out this Bible study, I find that I'm, I'm actually grasping some of it. But it goes back to this again. The, the, the problem that we have is the spirit was justified and went from dead to alive. Y'all have heard me say this. But our flesh never got that message. The flesh is just sitting there going, I, I haven't been changed by anything. So now we'll get into it today, even in the part of Galatians where Paul talks about this. So now there's a war. So let's talk about what, what goes on here. Having experienced failure and frustration with our sin problem, we're delighted to be told that God has already done it all and that we only need to rest in Christ's finished work. Now that sounds pretty good because I've heard that a bunch of times. You know what I said? I like that. But listen, but after struggling with our sins to the point of despair, this new idea is like a life preserver to a drowning man almost like hearing the gospel for the first time. But after a while, if we're truly honest with ourselves, we discover we are still experiencing defeat at the hands of our sinful nature. You're struggling, and then you hear, hey, you don't have to do anything. Christ has done it all. Certainly true when it comes to redemption. And you say, you're talking about the victory over sin too. Well, he's provided victory over sin. So I, I don't have to do anything. And then you're like, man, whew, I, I've been so tired of struggling with that. But then after a while, when you try that, you're like, okay, I'm not seeing any victory. So I, I, I don't really fully understand what I'm talking about. So we begin to think that our sinful nature must be in us. It must be worse in me than it is other people. I remember so vividly going into the first time that I had a teenage son, and my wife was clueless completely clueless about, about, about boys as they're trying to work on that awkward stage of becoming men after testosterone arrives, okay? And he was struggling with lust. And, and I had discovered some things that confirmed he was, and I went into his room, and I shut the door, and it's the first time I had a teenage son, and I said, hey, first thing I want to tell you is I completely get this. And he just looked at me. He said, what? I said, every man that you see, has struggled or is struggling with the same thing you're struggling with, including me. It was you could just see a relief come over him. He's like, so I I don't have, there's not something wrong with me. I, I don't have this disease worse. That it feels like it must be the worst case there's ever been. And I said, no no no, it's not. This is here's where we're going to make the turn, but we're going to talk about what we're going to do to win this battle. And we took you know the every young man's battle and every man's battle that great book about. Uh, every struggle that a man goes through with lust and, and how our flesh wants to corrupt what God, God meant. God, God gave us a desire for intimacy with, with our wives. That's a great thing. But what happens as always is we'll talk about it a little bit, but your sin nature takes that and corrupts it. And so we begin to walk with that. But to the point is you got to understand that this problem that you may be struggling with, every single fallen person struggles with this. But that doesn't mean you just give up and know you don't have it worse than other people, you may not. We not, may not struggle with the same sins as bad as each other, but we all struggle with sin. So, what do we do about it? So, I, I like this. He says, years ago, in the book, and this was good. He says, years ago, a fellow Christian warned me that Satan would try to confuse us on the issue 
of what God has done for us and what we must do ourselves. I hope I have your attention right here because this is big. I have come to see the insight he had in making that statement. Lack of understanding on that issue has led to great confusion in the pursuit of holiness. Amen. You are right, Jerry. It is very important that we make this distinction. For God has indeed made provision for us to live a holy life, but he also has given us definite responsibilities. That's big. Okay, so it's almost like you've heard me talk about before. We have been given nothing we can do to be given act, given power and access to the power to be holy. We can't make us we can't be holy. But what's happened is when we've been justified, God says, now I will bring this full righteousness, as we talked about last week, in Christ, and I now will make that available to you, but you got to access it. So let's look at some of the examples of that. Romans 6, 12. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you may obey its evil desires. Remember, we've been looking for here a lot. In the Bible, when you see words of action, remember, submit, resist, come near, action, action, action. Well, here's an action word. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you may obey its evil desires. Do not let is something we have to do. Don't let it. So let me give you some other examples that helped me when I was studying this this week. Think about when Paul's talking to young Timothy, and he uses words like flee. So the wrong thing to do, let's say we're facing sexual immorality. The wrong thing to do was to say, well, I'm just going to stay here because God's accomplished it. God's not going to let me sin, and God's going to make sure nothing happens. No. God said for you to take your body that can move, and where you're sitting here with the porn on the computer the magazine in your hand, the woman at the office, or the woman you've met for lunch, and he said, you take action if you truly want to be holy and get up out of that place and go. God didn't pick you up and make you leave. He says, I'm telling you to get up and leave. I may convict you to leave, but you got to leave. Does that make sense? Are you all with me on that? Do not let it rain. Don't come under its power. Refuse to be under its, uh, its power. It says, the experience of holiness is not a gift we receive like justification. Now, that's big. So the the gift of holiness, and we're not talking about about justification. That's a gift. But we do not receive holiness the same way that we receive justification. It's something that we are clearly exhorted by God to work at. Action. We don't just sit around and say, let's see what happens. Our flesh laughs about that. What a a terrible plan. And we also, what, have to get to the point that we truly desire to live the holy life versus the sinful life. What what did James teach us in our study of James? Most of the stuff you do, you just do because you want to. And I can tell you in my own life, the problem that I have with sin, if I ever have with sin, it's only because I haven't been sold yet that life away from this is truly a better life. Gosh, when I'm hearing this falling creation, I just don't know if I, I don't know if I like having to discern what movie I watch. That's that's burdensome. I I don't don't know if I want to never be involved in the break room and and some coarse joking. I like coarse joking. You know, these are, yeah, I don't really want to have to worry about what my motivation is even when I'm doing the right thing. Can I just do the right thing? And if I'm a little full of myself for it, and I like when people pat me on the back about it or it brings attention to me, I, I don't know that I want to do things and not get any credit for it. See, that, that's that mentality. You also got to get to the point that you're sold out. I don't know if you know this, but you won't ever accomplish a goal that you never set. <laughs> you know, if, if, I, if, if somebody says, if, if God says, I need you, your goal to be 10 on holiness, and my goal gets set at a 5, well, what's going to happen? I'll be a five. You know why I'm a five? A five's all I wanted. I don't want to be a ten. I want to be a five. Because a ten is going to require sacrifice. 
A 10 is going to require me to find, but here's the thing that I got to get, and I'm with you on this. We're on this journey together. I have not arrived, and therefore I'm saying come to where I am. I haven't got to the point to where Paul got that says you follow me because I'm following Jesus. I'll do everything right because he's doing everything right. That's where I want to be, and one day, by golly, I'm going to stand here and be able to say that with, with all the confidence under, under his, his authority. But I'm on a journey right now just studying this study. I'm thinking little things in my life that need to go. Little things need to be adjusted. But I have to adjust them. But Jesus gives me the power to adjust them. Everybody with me? Well, you know what? He, he just said, he, think about it. It's about, it goes with that thing again about your children. We know what our children should do, but we can't make them do it. But how about this? We give them what? All the information. We give them all the ability to do it. I mean, I, it, was, it, was, it was interesting. I had a talk with one of mine yesterday who's kind of moving through the system. And I said, on this next stage, here's what you got to know. And this, is, and this was, I'm trying to follow the example of my Heavenly Father. I love you. That, that'll never stop. But the question is going to be whether I approve of you or not. That's going to be the question. And I said, let me tell you where I stand on my children. If you need me, I'll always be there for you. I said, but now when it gets to me helping you get to places financially, with influence, things that I can open, doors I can open, I don't open doors and I don't give money to people who don't follow Jesus. I don't. I don't finance those things. So if you, if you decide you want to go your own way, you certainly can make that choice, but I will not be financing it, I won't be opening doors, I will not be endorsing it, and I will not be approving of it. But I'll always love you. The question is, will I approve of you? And for my approval, you got to do things my way. And my way is going to be the Lord's way. And that's kind of the deal. You see how we see that as earthly fathers? And so it, the, the second thing, Therefore, in light of what I have already said, talking about Paul in, in Romans 6, 1, 2, you know, if you look at 6, 1, and 2, I love when he asks this question. Paul literally asks us this question, shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? I like that Paul comes back and says, look, let me tell you, is, that what, is that what you really think the plan is? So the grace is so wonderful. Do you? I'm going to ask you a question. Do you think God would really say, Please keep sinning so you can show how gracious I really am. And then he comes back and says, what? Certainly not. I like that Paul. See, that shows you Paul knew men's ministry. He shouldn't have to say certainly not, but he knows we may not say that. So what he's doing is he is going to go ahead and answer the question the way we should answer it, and that is what? That's a no. Right? That's men's ministry. Don't ever let men think the men don't need you to answer the question that we're going to answer it for ourselves because you know what? Sadly, sometimes we don't. So what he's saying is that is not the plan. Then he goes on to say this. If you look at Romans 6, now 3 through 11, uh, let's read what he says here. So first of all, he asked that question, but look at 3. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in a newness of life. That sounds an awful lot like what we say at baptism. You know what? That's why we say it right here. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Somebody say amen to that. We know that our old self was crucified, which we've already covered, with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For the one who has died has died, had been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we also will live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourself, Rick, dead to sin and alive to God in Christ. And here, I'm going to go and go to 12. Y'all mind if I go to 12? Because this is big. Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body, to make you obey its passions. So, so if we have died to sin, then he says we will not let sin reign in our mortal bodies. There's that do not let again. So if verse 12 says death to sin is a fact, now this is big, 
it says death to sin is a fact whether you believe that or not. The Bible says it's a fact. So, so it, it, we, we can't say it. There's no excuse that says sin is still alive. Jesus says, no, it's dead. Christ died, so all united with him died to sin. This is something that is done, and we didn't do it. However, however, this does not mean we have been removed from sin's ability to touch us. That's the rub. So we couldn't kill sin. Only Jesus could, and he did. All right, fact. Fact. It is finished. To tell us die. It's done. Now, remember we talked about before in one of our studies, Jesus has taken what Satan took away from us in the garden, and he's bringing it back, and he says, I now give you the dominion that my Father intended for you all along. In me, you have it. It's returned. But what we can't do is then say, well, then I'll just sit here, and hopefully sin won't touch me at all. No, because we still got it. We still got a dying flesh that's going to go into the ground or it's going to be renewed if Jesus comes back while you're still alive. So, so the, 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 what sin can do to us has been defeated, talking about eternal death, but its ability to continue to touch us in our daily lives, that has not been removed. Die to sin means we die to the dominion of sin or what? To the reign of sin. So what, what, what can we not say? Can't help it. Sin's still got dominion over me. No, it doesn't. The Bible says it actually doesn't. So the only dominion of sin, back here comes the action again. Everybody still with me? Everybody good? Listen to this. So we've been freed from the dominion of sin, meaning the only damage sin does to us now is what we allow. It's not uncontrollable. We're not just getting knocked off our feet. That's the reason why I... Man, we, we got to have fewer people saying that. You could almost feel the whew in a room anytime a speaker gets up there and we're just about to be convicted and we're just about to get to the point where we feel like, hey man, this sin that's in my life right now as a follower of Jesus shouldn't be there. And then the person kind of goes, but you know, none of us will ever do it. And you're like, whoo, for a minute I was about to make some adjustments in my life. And this guy just let me off the hook. You know, I remember one time I heard someone say, and I think we need to do this sometimes, those of us that get a chance to preach and teach, is sometimes we need to pray against us feeling like we need to let up. Because it does happen. You, you, sit there, you sit there sometimes and say, really, it will happen. Any of us that speak and teach will tell you this. You'll get there and you'll be rolling. Also, you start going, wow, this is getting kind of harsh. And there becomes a feeling over you going, I need to let them off the hook. I need to back up a little bit. And you know what? I don't think that's of the Lord. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't be effective and you don't want to be sanctimonious and you don't want to browbeat people, but I think sometimes we're just simply walking into a place of conviction and we need to just keep on going. And you know what we can say? It's not my standard. This is the Lord's standard. This is what the, I, I, want, to, I want to stand before the Lord and say, oh, I, I didn't withhold that. Some people might not have known that. You said it and you told me to tell them. What, what does Paul say? How are people going to hear this stuff and nobody preaches? You, Jonathan Edwards, remember when he laid down sinners in the hands of an angry God? And, and it had been so long since they'd heard about the wrath of God and they've heard about the depravity of sin that people were screaming at him during his message, what must we do to be saved? He can't even got it finished. Do you think that was the right thing to do that day or the wrong thing? They needed to hear it again. They had forgotten. So in this particular place, Here's what the Bible says. Let's listen to what it says about the reign of sin in our life. It just simply isn't there for those who are under the authority of Christ. Ephesians 2.2, Paul says this, we, we once followed the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air. Now, when he says that, he's talking about Satan. That's the reason why I think that, and y'all pray that this is handled correctly, because, you know, the devil, one of the things we call him is the prince of the air. And I mean, he's taken over, you know, what's going on, transmissions, everything. He, he, he's, he, he's trying to take over uh, the prince of the air. So what he, what he says this, it says Satan has now turned uh, from power and he doesn't have it anymore. He doesn't have that, domin that dominion anymore. So, so here's what Ephesus was being told from Paul. We once followed the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, but we don't anymore. Turn from the power of Satan. We see that what? It, this is scripture again, Acts 26, 18. Turn from the power of Satan and what? Turn to God. 
That's action, guys. I mean, what, here's Paul. This is Acts. And, and we, we, we've got Acts 26, 18 is already saying to the first church, now we've got to turn from the power of Satan, and we've got to turn to God. Look at this, Colossians 1, 13. Turn from the dominion of darkness. Paul says, as we just did, uh, talked about in, in Romans 6, but look at 17. Paul says in Romans 6, 17, that we once were slaves to sin. We're no longer a slave to sin. He said, that's the way you once were. See, all these things are in the Bible. You see Paul, you see them, you see people saying, you have to now leave this reign of sin because through your union with Christ, you died to the realness in the realm of sin. And here's the great thing. You have died to the realm of sin. You've been set free from the realm of sin. And this is really good. You ready for this? This is a good, this is a big amen coming here. Christ has delivered us from a realm of sin and placed us in the realm of righteousness. So, so I, I once was under the authority, because of my country accent, accent you may not know I'm saying realm. Uh, so I was once under the reign of sin. And Jesus said, not only have I delivered you from the reign of sin, I'm going to push you over here under, uh, under the reign of righteousness. It, it really is now to the point, once you've been freed from, from sin by Jesus Christ, now we've been thrown out into, into a, a walk behind him, and he says it's a narrow gate, and he says it's going to be difficult. He says it's going to be hard. He never said otherwise. Now, one day all this fight is going to be over, and we're going to be completely free from our flesh, but we're not there yet. So what does he say? It's going to be difficult. It's going to take work. But you know what I've done? I've now given you a choice. There was a time, I love this part. Are we to this part yet? Because it was good. It says, even though God has delivered us from the reign of sin, our sinful nature still resides within us. And this is good. The war is over. But how many wars have you watched this? But guerrilla warfare continues. Satan knows he's defeated. He knows when you were justified. He knows when I was justified that the reign of sin, meaning we're no longer uncontrollably. What have I said in here a thousand times? We'll get, we'll get to this today too. Lost people act like lost people. They can't help it. But those of us that are no longer lost now have been given a choice on which realm we're going to live in. We've been given the power to be under the realm of righteousness, but every now and then, we have caused the guerrilla warfare as sin touches us and pulls at our, our, our old self. That old Rick will find himself kind of drift back over and see if he just wanted to dabble over here on the other team a little bit. See, there was a time I was under the dominion of sin, so there's nothing I got to do about it. What's happened now is he's freed you from the dominion, but you still got to decide to stay out of there. Does that make sense? Because now guerrilla warfare is going on. Satan's reign has been defeated but our sinful nature now begins to fight for its life. Right? You ever, you, ever seen, you ever seen that? I mean, you remember when the things were scary, even in World War II? They were talking about they'd go out there and find these pockets of people who hadn't got the word yet, that, that surrender had taken place. So you couldn't just walk up there and go, everybody got the message all in one big swoop. You might walk up on a little pocket of people still fighting. they still going to fight to the end. Look, I got relatives that still, that they don't think that General Lee had the authority to surrender to the Union. You know what I mean? I mean, it's silly that people think like that, but, but I'm talking about there's sometimes people just keep on fighting. And so what's happening is your, your sin nature now begins to fight for its life. Remember, we studied that before. If you have your Bible or something with your Bible on it, go to Galatians chapter 5. And we've talked about this before, but today we're actually going to read the verses. We, we've referenced this a lot, but we're going to read it. Galatians 5. And look at, uh, look at uh, verse 17, because this is what Paul says. This is what's going on with us now that we've been redeemed, and this is important. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For those are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. So it's in opposition. And guys, you've heard me say this before, but let's write it down again. So here's an idea. Since they're both alive now. At one time, only the flesh was alive and the spirit was dead. Now the spirit's alive. It's been justified by Jesus. And now his full righteousness has now like fuel being pumped into our spirit. 
But see, here's what we got to understand. All that means now is that we are actually in a war that we can now win. It doesn't mean the war's over. So because the, because the flesh is saying, oh, now I've got an opponent, and the fight is on. But the good news is the Spirit's now in the fight. It wasn't before. So what do you do? You fund it. How, how, does battle, how are our battles won? We need weapons. We need funding. We need this. We need everybody to quit their jobs, start building weapons. That's how we go to war. And the people who can pull that off the best win. So here, here's what I, I'm doing in my life. Then let's feed the Spirit. If you don't believe that, I'm telling you, it happened to me, uh, I guess it's been a, a little over a year ago. And I literally called one of my brothers and I said, I need you to pray for me right now. What's going on? I, I, wanna, I want to get a drink and I want to get a drink really bad. Why? Because I listened to the wrong song. What? I said, I'm telling you, man, I don't know what it was. I said, I got to kick it around. I heard an old song from the drinking days. And as soon as I started singing that song, I wanted to have a drink. And I want to have a drink so bad right now. And I said, I, I, can, I can tell. I, I, I remember me when this song was popular, and that just awakened in my flesh. And I need you to help me pray it away. See, that's how dangerous it can be. I mean, it's been laying there dormant. And all of a sudden, just the wrong move. And suddenly I start thinking, man. And you don't, you don't remember the bad times. You remember the fun time. You, you remember, man, that, that, some, that was actually kind of fun for a minute. And before I knew it, my palate began to want that drink. I hadn't had that problem in years. And you know what I would have told you? I'm free from that. And that is true but I could choose to go back to it. And you know what? We prayed about it. You get on some praise and worship music. You get rid of that. And suddenly, guess who was getting fed then? The Spirit. And you know what the Spirit reminded me? You got to be kidding me. <laughs> I mean, you got to be kidding me. You see how much better I am than that? What did the flesh do for you? I said, well, it tried to kill me. And it got you into all kinds of regret. got you into all kinds of trouble. It did. Well, why do you want to go back to him? We saved your life. You know, and, and you know what? And I think, you know what? Let me give you a thing. Why, why don't I live for you? You know, when I live for the flesh, it didn't do anything good for me at all. But when I live for the Spirit, it, 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 you know, it, it gave me peace. It gave me fulfillment. Now I want to get to the point that anything that's not involved in feeding the Spirit seems like it's repulsive to me, not like I'm regrettably and apologetically, let me go over and do things for the Spirit even though I don't want to. No, you, you, you go over there to the Spirit because you know what? You realize that's where the value is. That's the right thing to do, and it gives me what? Not an easy life, but the better life. But the better life. Jay Adams said this, We were born sinners, but it took practice to develop our particular style of sinning. The old life was trained toward ungodliness. These are old habits. And old habits are hard to break. But, but how do you break an old habit? You get a new habit, right? That's the reason why I keep telling you guys, and you've done it. For many of you, and I would say in this room today, most of you, this has become a habit. Hey, hey, what's going on Wednesday? Oh, I can't go. I can't do it. I can't do it between twelve and one because I, 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 I'm habitually going to study the Word of God. I got another Bible study I got to be in. You know, I, I we I got to teach Sunday. Um, in Acts chapter 2, right in there, is it verse 40-something, where, where it first says, here's what, the, here's what the first church looked like. And one of the characteristics of the first church was they were loyal. It says they attended temple day by day. They were all on the same page. They, had, they, they, didn't, they didn't have a bunch of different doctrines going on. They were all on the same page. And, and it, it said that they were, they were loyal. What, what does that mean? They were in worship habitually. I mean, God didn't have a look around at the first church and go, well, they're just not getting any worship in this week. It was, it was who they were. They were loyal. Hey, I wonder if they're going to be at church today. You, but you can count on it. Why? They saw value in it, and they were loyal to what Jesus had done for them. He could depend on them. And I gave this analogy, talking about habits. By the way, this analogy is not as so much fun when your wife is actually in the room. I really, I really at one point thought when I was giving this analogy with Sherry, she was sitting about James about where you were, and, and I really at one point thought she, 
Yeah, baby, you know I'm just kidding, right? I mean, there was one point she looked at me like, I'll kill you right here in front of everybody. Because, because what I, I mean, I mean, Jordy Henson, a friend of mine, he said, I was very uncomfortable. I kept telling her, you know, it's just an analogy. And because I said, I said, well, what, what do you think, and you've heard me do this before, but it's worth repeating again because it's such an analogy that's so eye-opening. Do you think my wife would consider me to be loyal, would consider me to be in love with her and loyal to her if I saw her, not every Sunday, because it may rain, I may have something I need to do, I need to get down to the lake, I might need to go hunting, I need to play golf, but anytime it's not too inconvenient that I would come see her on Sunday. Now, she's not going to get anything from me after lunch. I mean, lunch is max. Please don't expect me to do anything else for you after lunch. Okay? So most Sundays, when I get up till about lunch, I'm going to tell her that I love her. I'm going to sing to her. I'm going to write little sweet letters to her and give it to her. I'm going to bring her flowers. But about lunch, every Sunday, on the Sundays I actually show up, I'm gone. And she doesn't hear from me for six days. You know what else I'm doing? I'm seeing other women. And those other women, we see are the things that are really more important than our spiritual growth, more important than Jesus to us. And I go out there and I see other people that I spend a lot more time with. But every Sunday, or most Sundays, I work my way back to Sherry, say, hey, you know I love you, right? Do you think she thinks I'm loyal? Does she buy that garbage? But we're going to do the same thing to Jesus and think he's buying that? Oh, we love you, Jesus. We want to be holy. We want to be just like you, as long as you don't bother us too much. I'll see you some Sundays. Try to, I'll try to get to most Sundays, but not like all day. And certainly you're not going to bother me the rest of the week. Which one of those do you think Jesus thinks is really important to us? See, this is that action again. He's given us access to holiness, but we don't really seem to have a desire for it. It's just a show. We're doing what we think is appropriate, and we're trying to give Jesus what? The bare minimum. But see, that's not going to break old habits, guys. Hey, that's not going to break old habits. If you're going to break, think how long you've been a sinner. Think how long I've been a sinner. I'm good at it. Hey, I could turn like that, and you would see a person that you wish you'd never met. Because when I give in to the flesh, I'm as horrible a human being as you've ever been around. There's people that came to Jesus alone because they said, I can't believe how much it changed you. Because you were a bad, bad guy. And then there's some people, sadly, that I was such a bad guy, they still going to have to find Jesus in somebody else because I've damaged them so much that if I talk about Jesus, they don't want anything to do with it. So those old habits are bad. And, and, and they're not easily broken, and you're not going to casually approach the old habits of your fallen self and expect to see victory. You have access to victory, but it's going to require effort. Think about Lincoln's Emancipation Proclamation. I, I, you know, I, I hear this brought up a lot because it's, it, it's such a good analogy. The slaves were freed, but... You could walk around and see slaves still working in the fields. And at one point, Lincoln actually went up to them and said, I'm President Lincoln. You realize you're free. And they didn't know it. It's all they knew. They didn't know how to be free. And so they had to learn how to be free. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones says this, I, I mean, that's kind of, you ever, you ever notice if you say somebody's name, all three of them, it makes them sound more important? <laughs> I hope one day I can do a commentary and they go, as Richard Lawson Burgess said. Uh, see, that's that bad motivation again. Yeah. Uh, but Romans, Romans chapter 6, here's what, here's what Dr. Martin Luther, I mean, not Martin Luther, Martin Lloyd-Jones says. Martin Luther probably did too. Uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones says, though sin cannot reign in us, that is, in our essential personality. It can, if left unchecked, reign in our mortal bodies. It will turn the natural instincts of our bodies into lust, our natural appetites into uh, uh, gluttony and indulgence, our need for clothing and shelter are turned into materialism, and our normal sexual interests will be turned into immorality 
That's why you can't let sin reign. Because it takes the things that are natural to the flesh and it corrupts them. You know, I, I love that. Hey, our natural instincts of our body will turn into lust. Meaning we got to have all the stuff. Our natural appetites, before you know it, we're, we're gluttons and we overindulge. I struggle with that sin. And, and Lord, you know why I'm starting to see victory over that? Because I finally said I wanted to. I finally got to the point where I said, Lord, I think that me thinking that overeating is so important must be, it's starting to become more and more ridiculous to me. Okay? I don't really need that for me to have, for life to mean something to me. You know? Uh, and, and so, but because see, that's what happens when, it, when it's given to the flesh in the sinful state. Our need for clothing and shelter, our basic needs turn into materialism more, more, more. And then our normal sexual interests, as like I told my first teenage son and I've told the other since, it's normal to have sexual interest in women. But you can't let the fallen sinful flesh turn that into sexual immorality. You can't let it reign. Just like we just said, a slave cannot live as a free man. Before, we, we were slaves to sin. But here's the difference. And this is where we're going to close on. When I, after I read the summary. This is the most convicting part of the study for this week. See, there was a time when we were slaves to sin and we couldn't do anything about it. But now we've said to the world, and to God, Jesus Christ has freed me from being a slave to sin. But you know what that means? So now if we sin, we sin as free men and women. What would you think of a slave that was free and you went back and he was back at the, or she, he or she was back at the plantation being whipped, told to work for nothing and living in some old shack? And you would go, haven't you been freed? I have. I choose to be a slave. What would you think of that? But that's what we do. You know, Paul tried to set us straight when he said, you're just returning back to, to like a dog returns back to vomit. Was that Peter or Paul who said that? It was Peter or Paul who said that. But, it was, um, but that's how grotesque that is. Think how that looks to Jesus remembering being nailed to the cross and go, wait a minute, I went to the cross when I didn't have to? I was tempted by Satan when I didn't have to be? I lowered myself to not even having a place to sleep when I didn't have to? And I was beaten and tortured and spit on and disrespected for your benefit so you could be free and you choose to return to the slavery of sin? After I worked to free you, how would you feel if you were Jesus? I mean, so so that that was a whole wake up call for me to go. All right, if I'm sinning now, I'm sinning when I don't have to. I'm not under the authority of sin. I'm choosing to be under the authority of sin again. So here's the summary, and we'll close. Now that we are, in fact, dead to sin, to its rule and its reign, we are to count on that as being true. We are to keep before us the fact that we are no longer slaves. Do y'all believe that? You're not a slave to sin anymore. You've been freed. We can now stand up to sin and say no to it. Before, we had no choice. Now we have one. When we sin as Christians, we do not sin as slaves, but as individuals with the freedom of choice. We sin because we choose to sin. To summarize then, we have been set free from the reign and rule of sin, the kingdom of unrighteousness. Our deliverance is through our union with Christ into his death. When Christ entered the world, he voluntarily entered the realm of sin, though he never sinned. When he died, he died to the realm of sin. We talked about that in Romans 6.10. And through our union with him, we died to the realm also. Say that again. With our union with Christ, not only did he die to the realm of sin and destroy the realm of sin, we have been freed from it. We died to this. We are not slaves to sin. 
We're to count on this fact that we are dead to sin's rule, that we can stand up to it and say no. Therefore, we're to guard our bodies so that sin does not reign in us. So we see that God has made provision for our holiness through Christ. He has delivered us from sin's reign so that we now can resist sin. But this is, the, this is that dance again. But the responsibility for resisting is ours. God did not do that for us. To confuse the potential for resisting, which God provided, with the responsibility for resisting, which is ours, is to court disaster in the pursuit of holiness. So let's be sure we got that again since we got a little time on the clock. If we confuse the potential for resisting, meaning the power to resist, that, that's all God's work. But don't confuse that with the responsibility for resisting because that is ours. And he says if you ever get those two wrong, you'll never be holy. We'll never be holy. How many times do you have you have you ever seen that? You watch there's been various movies, various whatever. You can even think about it with the revolution of this country. You see people who have been beat down and beat down and beat down who finally stand up and say, Today it's over. You know what I thought about watching this as strange as this may be? The Tina Turner story. And I'm not saying that Tina Turner is some devout follower of Jesus. But she finally got tired of her husband beating on her. And then there was that day that he walked in to beat on her, and she said, not today. And Ike got what was coming, and she attacked him. Jesus has given us the ability to, when sin shows up, to beat on you again, to say, no, not today. I stand under the authority of Jesus Christ. I have been made righteous. I have been justified, and you have no power over me. So any sin that still is alive in our life is sin that we choose. It's not sin you don't have power over. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for this uh, convicting but incredibly powerful message of hope. Gosh, I hope that's how we see it, guys. Ladies, whoever might be listening or watching this. Let's don't see, don't let this see this, and, and you know, certainly it's going to be convicting, and, I, and we want that. But also look at the hope in this message today. You're not a slave to sin. I'm not a slave to sin. So let's stop acting like we are. Jesus really has given us the power over sin, and he's released us from its reign. And Jesus, I, what, may we never hear the lies of our flesh or from the adversary that say otherwise. And may we finally come to the conclusion that we think living under the realm of righteousness is not just what we should do. It's, the, it's also what is, is desired. It's preferred over the world and over sin because you are better than sin. And I pray, Lord, you continue to give us that power. And, Lord, convict us today if we're not taking action on any part of our life that maybe today in our minds, all of us assessing our life, we say this particular sin is touching me, is committing guerrilla warfare against me, and in the name of Jesus, it dies today. I choose you, Jesus. And in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys.